catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. You're listening to The Happy Hour with Nick Sainert. I'm leaving people. And Enrique Alvarez Clary. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Huh? Sponsored by Empire Fence and Netting on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Once again, no Rico today, so Austin Orman filling in for him across the uh, the desk. For me, Nick Sainter with you as well. This is the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Once again, 402-464-5685, the Honda of Lincoln Hotline and the Sarder Heyman text line are both phone numbers for you guys to engage the entire show today. And we're going to go up north a little bit as we are joined by Ryan Burns of Gopher Illustrated and 24-7 Sports up in Minneapolis. Ryan, appreciate the time, man. We're, we're one day away from kicking off the season. I mean, how are we feeling, uh, you know, almost 24 hours, uh, you know, before game time? I feel like the off season just continues to get longer and longer every year that passes. And so I'm excited to finally get to game day. Obviously there's been changes on both sides for both teams, but I'm just excited to finally talk about players on the field instead of some hypotheticals. Yeah, and and one of the one of the questions that that we have and we were kind of discussing it last segment, um PJ Fleck decides to to go with co-offensive coordinators in Greg Harbaugh Jr. and Matt Simon. Do you have any any insight on how that's going to work with, with co-offensive coordinators? Well, between Harbaugh and Simon, I mean, they're guys that have worked together for a long time. But ultimately, it will be one of the two that calls the plays, and that's the question that Fleck has been adamant for the entire offseason. He's not going to tell anyone who's calling the plays until after the Nebraska game. Now, both of them have very little experience doing so. Simon called plays in the bowl, in a few different bowl games for Minnesota throughout his tenure. I think Greg Harbo called a couple of games at Western Michigan a few years back after they fired their offensive coordinator while he was there. So either way, you're going from a very experienced play caller in Kirk Sharaka, who's now the Rutgers offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. to one of the two is obviously very inexperienced. So you don't really know what their tendencies are going to be. This is still a P.J. Fleck offense. But it's going to be which one of the two is the one calling the plays because ultimately they're the ones that are going to get all the credit and they're also going to be the ones that get all the criticism. We're speaking to Ryan Burns of Gopher Illustrated on the Allo VIP line. And Ryan, I know you've gotten a lot of questions, I'm sure, about some of the new pieces on offense. Let's start with with quarterback because you, you know, Minnesota graduates Tanner Morgan after you know a, a healthy stint of, of Tanner Morgan at Minnesota, and they move on to Ethan Kaliak Manis. Nebraska fans know Ethan from the second half of last year's game, but what can you maybe tell Husker fans what Ethan Kaliak Manis may do worse than Tanner Morgan, but also may do better than, than the former Gophers quarterback? Yeah, Tanner Morgan obviously played a ton of football for Minnesota, played over 50 games in his career, someone that was very dependable. Maybe his best ability was maybe one of the most important things in football, and that's availability or durability. Someone that had 65 touchdowns, 32 interceptions in his career. But Ethan is certainly a lot different than 
uh, Tanner Morgan is. Now, I, I think Husker fans did see that last year. Minnesota doesn't win that game in Lincoln. If Tanner Morgan doesn't get probably knocked out in the concussion protocol, which puts Ethan into the game, which really just kind of changes the way Minnesota approached it. They knew that they were struggling to throw the ball at Tanner, and that's where that windy day in Lincoln, they were able to complete a couple down-the-field shots, which kind of opened things up for them. But for Ethan, he has as much arm talent as I've seen a gopher quarterback in my 12 years doing this. Now, the bar for that statement isn't exactly sky high. I understand that. Uh, considering the days of Mitch Leidner and, wow. and Tanner Morgan, but this is still a kid that he is going to be the straw that stirs the drink on offense. Last year it was Mohamed Ibrahim in this offensive line. This year I think there's more questions about who is Minnesota starting up front, what's their identity going to be. Minnesota brought in a transfer running back by the name of Sean Tyler that we can get into later, but he's not a workhorse running back. If Minnesota is going to be able to go through this gauntlet of the schedule, starting with this home opener tomorrow night, I mean, it's going to be through Ethan. He's got the arm talent. He's got athleticism. But I think he's got to learn yet what throws he can get away with at the Big Ten level and which ones are going to turn into turnovers. Ryan, I'm glad you brought up Sean Tyler. I think that's a really under-the-radar addition that people in Big Ten country have been sleeping on. But in your opinion, which of the two Western Michigan transfers is the more impactful ad? Sean Tyler that fits into the Minnesota identity of running the ball, or a Corey Crooms Jr. to give him a true wide receiver two type? Well, I think that's astute from you is I think both of them are going to be incredibly impactful. I think Sean's going to be a guy that, it's probably the bulk of the touches. Now you look at Sean Tyler and his time at Western Michigan, the running back, he's run for over a thousand yards and back-to-back seasons in the Mac, but he's not a guy that gets a ton of carries in his entire collegiate career. He's only got 20 or more carries three different times. So if you're trying to figure out who's going to carry the ball for Minnesota, I'd have him around 15 to 18 touches tomorrow night, but he's still a guy that is probably the most explosive running back they've had in the flex tenure because you look through back through some of the running backs that Minnesota's had here, and Rodney Smith, Shannon Brooks, Muhammad Ibrahim, all very good running backs, but none of them, when they get to the second or third level, you know they're going to get caught from behind. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Sean Tyler's probably best characteristic is if he gets to the second and third level, he's not getting caught from behind. So we'll see if he's able to break a couple. Then even Corey Crooms, Minnesota was absolutely dreadful last year in the slot. And what did they do? They went out and got a transfer, obviously, in Corey Crooms, who was one of the best group of five slot receivers out there. It was all Mac last year in that regard. So to answer your question, I think both are going to be very impactful tomorrow night. I think you're going to see both of them get, get touches. Again, I think Sean Tyler is going to be somewhere on 15 to 18, another guy that has three kickoff return touchdowns, where Minnesota hasn't had a kickoff return touchdown since they played Nebraska in 2017. It's been a very long time. But you're also going to see Minnesota rely on Corey Crooms in the slot, especially on some key third downs tomorrow night. We're speaking to Ryan Burns of 24-7 Sports up in Minneapolis. And, and Ryan, it's interesting that you brought up how, how the new Gophers running back doesn't have a whole lot of, of carries to his name, where when you guys just graduated, or Minnesota, I should say, just graduated a guy in, in Ibrahim who had 867 carries over his five years with the Gophers. I mean, should should Nebraska fans, or I guess just Big Ten football fans, expect the offense to change in any ways when, when you're talking about a guy that, that has now moved on and, and Ibrahim, who you could give him the rock a, a, plen- a, you know, a plethora of times and be okay with that, to now Sean Tyler? Well, Minnesota's offense last year was so run heavy. It was truly Minnesota and the service academies for lack of passing attempts. And obviously wow. those teams essentially run the triple option. 
So Minnesota threw the ball on average 21 times a game last year. The average in college football across FBS levels was about 32 if you wanted to be dead average around 65th. Now, I do anticipate Minnesota throwing the ball more this fall. I think they'll be somewhere on that 28, 29, maybe even 30 times per game. So they're still going to be below average compared to what the rest of college football is evolving into. But I do think that this offense has to evolve in general because John Tyler is very explosive. I mentioned he's run for over yeah. 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons in the MAC. But the days of going to a, a, a bell cow running back that's going to get 30, 35 carries, that's not Sean Tyler. There's still a lot of question marks to me in terms of who gets those other 15 to 20 touches at the running back position. Is it going to be a fifth-year guy like Bryce Williams, or is it going to be a couple of freshmen by the name of Darius Taylor and Zach Evans? I think that's still a question that Minnesota has to figure out. So this offense is going to change. You're still going to see Minnesota run the ball plenty, but if Minnesota is going to have success offensively this year, I just think that more of their explosive plays and more of their offense is going to have to go through the right arm of Ethan Kaliak-Manis. One one thing I do want to discuss before we switch sides of the ball to the defense is the offensive line because I was listening to PJ Flex speak, uh, you know, a couple days ago now um, regarding Nebraska and such, and and he mentioned how, and I'm blanking on the name once again, a, a guy who uh, is now has waited four or five years to to take you know snaps, starting snaps at center. Obviously, you guys graduate one of the best uh, centers in in the Big Ten Conference in Schmitz and um, and in, in possibly the country. I guess just talk about this offensive line because a few years ago, you you guys or Minnesota was one of the oldest offensive lines in all of college football, and with their running attack, they had to be a dominant offensive line. How has that offensive line changed and evolved into 2023? Yeah, in 2022 last year, they had three different six-year offensive linemen starting on their interior, and that's part of why Minnesota was so good running the rock last year was when you're able to lean on one of the best centers in the country and John Michael Schmitz, plus right. a couple of guards and Axel Rushmeyer and Chuck Filiaga, you're able to just move people up front. Now this year, you've graduated those three guys. Minnesota, to your point, has had a guy like Nathan Bowes, who Fleck was referencing there. Thank you. A sixth-year guy up front that he's not going to be John Michael Schmitz, but he should be at least solid. And that's where the question marks start is up front. You know you got a pretty good left tackle in Ariante Ursary. Minnesota's trying to slide in their right tackle, the right guard, because of some pass protection issues last year. But there are question marks, and that's where I asked Fleck at that last press conference, have you figured out your starting five, or do you think you're going to rotate? And he was open to the possibility of Minnesota rotating offensive linemen tomorrow night, which uh, I am incredibly against, especially against <laughs> a three-three-five defense that loves to stunt, twist, do different things, have guys coming from different angles. But the thing about Minnesota's offensive line is I'll say this. They're inexperienced in spots such as guard, to right tackle, center, but they are old. All of the guys that we're referencing that probably are going to be starting tomorrow night are of the legal drinking age or older. We're talking wow. about fourth, fifth, and sixth-year guys. So the days of Minnesota trotting out a first- or a second-year guy because they're the best available option – that's no, no longer the case, which is what a competent program in year seven in the Big Ten West should look like. So Minnesota's going to be inexperienced in spots with likely three guys getting their first start tomorrow night. But we're talking about guys that are 21, 22, even 23 years old. 
Ryan, a couple more before we, we go ahead and let you go. Appreciate the time as always. Um, you, you mentioned year seven in a, in a competent Big Ten football program, and I think Nebraska fans hear that and just kind of starve for the days when hopefully they can say that as well and when they can listen to the radio and we're not having the same conversations over year after year. What has allowed P.J. Fleck to do that? What has allowed P.J. Fleck to get where Minnesota is at, where he's 4-0 in bowl games and now has two back-to-back win, or seasons where they've had nine wins? Yeah, I mean, you look across the last three full seasons of football, it's going back to 2019. They've had nine or more wins in each of the last three seasons if you take out COVID there. So how has Minnesota done it? They've relied on an offensive system that sits on the ball, doesn't turn over the ball, and they're able to have a defense complement that by what does Joe Rossi's defense do incredibly well? They limit explosive plays, and they get off the field on third down. If you have an opposing offense in college football, Joe Rossi's theory is the 18- to 22-year-olds are going to make a mistake by the end of it more times than not the more plays they're out on the field. So when you look at why has Minnesota been so successful, well, defensively, they have opposing teams if they're going to score – go 10, 12, 14 play drives, and eventually they make a mistake more times than not. But if you can stop the run and limit explosive plays. And on the flip side, if you're able to establish the run in the Big Ten, which Minnesota has been really good at doing between Ibrahim and their offensive line in recent seasons, you're going to win some probably some games that you're not supposed to. I mean, I think of some of these recent Nebraska games, you're down 10 nothing at halftime last year. You go back to that COVID season where Minnesota's down quite a bit of players and they're able to emerge. Why has Minnesota been able to, in this series specifically, emerge? Well, they've been just more physical up front, and we're going to see if that remains the case as well tomorrow night. Ryan, we'd be remiss if we did not talk about Joe Rossi because he he is quietly and and underrated one of the better coordinators in the entire country. Uh, Minnesota last year, I believe it was ninth in total defense and fourth in scoring defense, if I remember correctly, allowing just 13 points per game or so. What if for Nebraska fans going into 2023 now this season, what is maybe a spot on Minnesota's defense where if you're a Nebraska fan or or somebody on the Nebraska staff, you're saying maybe we can take advantage of this spot? Yeah, and within those two stats as well is Minnesota was one of the best third down defenses in the country last year. They were number one in terms of getting off the field on third down going into the bowl game where they eventually settled as the second best defense. So Third down is obviously going to be huge tomorrow night because Jeff Sims historically has been really good at extending plays with his legs. I don't have to tell you guys. I looked in the pro football focus statistics. I looked over the last 13 healthy games for Jeff Sims. He's accounting for over 60 rushing yards with his legs when you take out the sacks. But more importantly, he's averaging over three first downs per game with his legs. So if they're going to be able to take advantage of what Minnesota's got, it's going to be on their back seven to me. That's where it's going to be. Minnesota's got some question marks at linebacker because they graduated Mariano Sori Marin, uh, a longtime starter for them. Their two depth pieces hit the portal and are now at Georgia Tech in Western Michigan, and they're going to be breaking in some new guys. Plus, they got a brand new safety, a brand new slot. So if, if, if I'm Marcus Satterfield and I'm Jeff Sims, I'm trying to figure out if I have enough time to be able to find some of these options that are going to be getting their feet wet for the first time in the, in the Big Ten. Ryan, last one before we go ahead and let you go. We're talking to Ryan Burns of, of 24-7 Sports. And I guess f- since Nebraska is going to be having game one of a new coach and a new system and a new just completely coaching staff tomorrow night, w- what's been the outside perception for up, up in Minneapolis and, and around the program about Nebraska and about Matt Rule? 
the perception I would say up here is Nebraska's finally got a competent coach and a mm. competent coaching staff that can make adjustments mid-game because I'm sure you know better than I do the amount of times where Nebraska's got a lead 20, yeah. 30, 40 minutes into the game and they're just not able to finish. And, I mean, it was truly remarkable to see some of those games at times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> trust that was hard. Yeah, Nebraska's us. winning late and then they can't finish it. Yep. Now, I haven't been around Matt Rule as much as you guys. I was around him at Big Ten Media Days. But just seemingly having a competent coach in Nebraska is finally going to, I think, make that program what so many Husker fans have been waiting for. The question is, how quickly can that happen? Will it happen in game one? Will it happen in season one? How long is it going to take? But I think many Gopher fans know, as they've seen in recent seasons, Minnesota's won this game four years in a row. That's true. But the last three specifically have all been by a touchdown. And a lot of these, Nebraska was winning for large parts of this game, and Minnesota was just able to come away with the win. So I don't think anyone's looking past Nebraska. That's why the Vegas spread is certainly is what it is about a touchdown favorite. But there's just so many unknowns in this game. How does Minnesota's offense look without Mo Ibrahim? Game one, year one for, for Marcus Satterfield, Tony White, Matt Rule, Jeff Sims in a new offense. There's so many question marks. And I think the thing for tomorrow might – night that is really going to dictate things is that third quarter how does each staff make halftime adjustments because last year minnesota was tremendous in the third quarter they outscored their opponents by 52 points last year in the third quarter so historically minnesota's done a really good job of making adjustments does that remain the case in 2023 we'll have to see Ryan, it's truly going to be fascinating, and, and we really appreciate you taking 20 minutes or so and, and giving us some more insight on on minnesota uh have a have a good season i guess in 2023 and uh, hopefully we got a good game tomorrow night yeah hopefully we do appreciate you guys having me on that is ryan burns of gopher illustrated 24 7 sports up in minneapolis appreciate his time as always austin a lot of stuff that we can dissect towards the end of the show but we got to get to break coming up next we got connor onion we're just going to roll through the guests connor onion of the big 10 network coming on to discuss this he's going to be the voice that you hear on the big 10 network tonight for the volleyball uh, match between nebraska and omaha and volleyball day in nebraska just about three hours and or i should say two hours and change until first serve between unk and wayne state appreciate ryan burns once again joining us on the aloe vip line and right coming up next we got connor onion of the big 10 network here on the happy hour Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. More of the happy hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.